0: Hey guys. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful day so far. So today we're going to talk about everything that's going on at the border. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas is going to tell us all of the facts that are going on there. We're going to bust some myths and then we'll spend the second part of the podcast uh, talking about the theology of all of this and how I think we can approach this biblically. Uh, So without further ado, here is Congressman Chip Roy. Congressman Roy, thank you so much for joining us again, talking about this subject again. Can you just paint a picture for us? What's going on at the border right now? Why is it different than what has gone on in the border in the past, say, under the Trump administration?
1: Well, right now, the uh, southwest border in Texas to Mexico is about as bad as I've ever seen it, and it's getting worse by the day. And, you know, a lot of folks think this is something that, you you know, some faraway issue but let's be very clear, this is an issue that's affecting every single American uh, in one way or the other. We've had about 1.4 million, okay, I want to say that number again, 1.4 million apprehensions over the last year. Wow. These are record numbers. We had 208,000 in August, we had 212,000 in July. That was prior to the recent crisis with respect to the Haitian refugees. And the, the fact is, those numbers, of course, don't tell the whole story. Of those 1.4 million, which, by the way, is the population of Dallas, about 500,000 or so, give or take, have been released, depends on what numbers you look at. And several hundred thousand are known gotaways that we've seen when we see camera footage and Intel. And so we know there's somewhere around 800,000-ish people that Mm -hmm. are now in the United States that have not been removed, that were not here at the beginning of this year because of the policies of the Biden administration, which are very specific and purposeful. OK, the Biden administration is refusing to do the things the Trump administration was doing to ensure that we could secure the border. Specifically, the return to Mexico uh, policies and program that they worked out with Mexico through pressure with tariffs and trade. And we just had a federal judge say to the Biden administration, well, you're not doing this and you really should be doing this under our current law. And then secondly, what we call Title 42 which are health, court, health uh, code laws, health code provisions that allow us to stop people at the border to protect the citizenry when you have pandemics or communicable diseases. Clearly, we have that situation now, but the Biden administration has been refusing to apply it. Now you've got a federal judge that's saying you can't apply it to family units, which means the numbers are actually going to get worse if Congress doesn't act now to be very clear that we should apply Title 42 at the border. Now, what does all this mean in simple speak? Lots of danger for the American people. Narcotics, fentanyl flowing into our communities. 92,000 opioid deaths in the last year. And I want to put that in perspective. When we were freaking out about cocaine in the 1980s, we had about 10,000 people dying a year. We're now close to 100,000 people dying a year. Fentanyl is killing American uh, young uh, adults and young children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why? Because they're taking drugs they think are something else, and it's laced with fentanyl, and they're dying. This is because of the power of the cartels at the border and what Joe Biden is doing uh, refusing to do under his constitutional duty to secure the border.
0: And you also said you uh, you shared a a long Twitter thread about everything that's going on and some of the consequences that you just alluded to. One of the things that you said that the Biden administration is refusing to do is devote necessary resources to the Border Patrol and to ICE and also refusing to designate cartels as terrorist organizations. Uh, Why do you think they're refusing to do that? and, And what help do you think that it would do if they did?
1: Well, what you have on our border are very dangerous cartels, and, and a lot of people sort of put this on a shelf like they're watching some HBO documentary about El Chapo or something. Mm-hmm. This is real. We now have the cartel Jalisco New Generation, which is merged with the Reynosa faction of the Gulf cartel and the cartel del Noreste of Los Zetas in Nuevo Laredo. Now, why does that matter? these are very dangerous cartels. They bury human beings alive. They light them on fire. They put them into boiling uh, oil. They hang them on bridges. Mm -hmm. They lock them into bars and light them on fire. Uh, And now we just had, in fact, a cartel individual who was uh, apprehended in the United States having killed an individual in America. They're now reaching up into the United States. They move human beings and narcotics for hundreds of millions of dollars of profit. We stopped an automobile in Bernie, Texas, a suburb of San Antonio. Let me be clear. In a suburb of San Antonio, we stopped a car with nine people in it. It was driven by an individual who was an American citizen who was employed by the cartel de the rest day, wow. who was moving these people to put them into a stash house in Houston to put them into the sex trafficking trade. Mm-hmm. This happens on a daily basis. And the cartels should be designated as terrorist organizations so that we can target them. So we could go after people who provide material support to them. They are as dangerous in many respects as the Taliban. And the two things that are common between those two entities, the United States refuses to acknowledge either of them as the terrorist organizations that they are.
0: And you believe that the Biden administration's policy, some of which you have just listed, is actually kind of incentivizing or at least enabling this kind of behavior, making this kind of behavior easier, correct?
1: No, that's exactly right. And people need to understand there's a direct consequence to the Biden administration and their lack of action. The Biden administration could be using Title 42 that I described before with respect to COVID. They could be using the Return to Mexico program. They could be providing more resources to supplement the border patrol, and they could be taking more uh, overt and specific action to turn people away and then return them to where they come from. Now, why does that matter? Because, and this is important as a Christian and as people who wanna care for individuals. Let me Let me pause for a second. I met with a bunch of ranchers in South Texas, okay? And their fences are getting cut and their Mm -hmm. families are getting in danger and their livestock is getting out and they are finding dead bodies of migrants on their ranches. Eighty nine dead migrants in Brooks County, 75 or more dead bodies in the Del Rio sector, hundreds all along South Texas. These ranchers find them dying or or they're dehydrated in, in the process of dying. And they call 911 to try to help them because. As Christians and as human beings, you want to help people. Migrants are getting hurt, okay? Migrants are dying. Migrants are getting put into the sex trafficking trade. Migrants are getting put into the slave labor trade. Cartels are making tons of money. I sat down with a woman who runs safe houses for these uh, folks that are abused by cartels, and she showed me graphic pictures of little girls with brands Mm -hmm. and burns on their bodies that were horrific. And videos where you see cartel members threatening little girls and people. And now to have the Biden administration refuse to take the steps to stem the tide, hold the line so that it would protect the migrants and protect Americans who's di- who are dying from fentanyl, whose property are getting destroyed, who are having mass numbers of people come to the United States, take jobs, fill hospitals, fill schools, all of the negative consequences of all of that. And the Biden administration could stop it. They just would take the steps necessary to do so. They refused to do it.
0: Okay, got to take a quick break to tell you guys about my first sponsor for the day, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs are a great way to be creative and enjoy your favorite hobbies without the hassle. So here's how it works. Every month, Annie's Kit Clubs sends you a new shipment filled with all of the craft supplies That you need. So you don't have to go to the craft store and get the different supplies of a craft that you saw on Pinterest or something like that. I mean, that can, you don't have time to do that. And then you realize when you get home from the craft store that you forgot something. You don't have to worry about any of that with Annie's Kit Clubs. They send you everything that you need for a really easy to make. Boutique worthy craft and it sends you all the instructions that you need. So we're talking about like knitting, we're talking about soap making, candle making, all that good stuff that you probably think that you couldn't do on your own. Annie's Kit Clubs makes it really easy. This is a really fun way to spend your downtime. It's a really fun way to get creative and use your hands rather than spending all of your downtime, say, scrolling on Instagram. I wouldn't know anything about that. This is a productive fun use of your time. So go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 50% on your first kit when you do. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. I think we've all seen at least one video or image of a child that has been abandoned on the American side of the border. There was a photo that I saw just the other day of a four-year-old and what looked like about a three-month-old infant that had been abandoned there. Thankfully, Border Patrol found them and got them to safety. There was another video that I saw the other day of this group of men. There were no women, men and little kids who seemed to be um, knocked out with some kind of medication. They, uh, The Border Patrol had flashlights uh, flashing in their eyes, and the little kids, they weren't responding, they weren't waking up. And so we don't know exactly what was going on there, but it's obvious that this kind of incentivizing of illegal activity and illegal crossing um, is hurting the most vulnerable. It's hurting not just the people um, at the border, but it's also hurting, like you said, the little kids that are being trafficked for profit. Um, And then what we're seeing is the same Border Patrol agents who are the only lifeline for some of these kids, the only help that some of these kids have, um, the only salvation that these kids are having from sex trafficking are now being demonized by a media that is lying about, quote, whipping Haitian migrants. I want to play, um, or I don't know if it's pictures or video. I think it's pictures that we have. I want to put up some pictures, um, that we have seen of, um, border patrol agents that are going around. So this is one of the pictures that's going around where people are saying, I saw Sean King, for example, share on social media that this is, uh, This is a Border Patrol agent whipping this person. And then there was that was the one picture that was going around the most that people were saying that this is a Border Patrol agent whipping this migrant. Uh, Joy Reid said, what is this, 1851? There were multiple, you know, blue check journalists saying, wow, this is, you know, like the slave patrol that's not at all what's happening here, and I would love for you to explain what you see happening, but as far as I understand, these are just split reins; These are horse reins. There's no whipping going on whatsoever. These are Haitian migrants that I guess are trying to cross illegally, and people are up in arms about this, saying that you know somehow this is racist.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you showing those pictures and highlighting this issue. I mean, pretty much anybody who's not a completely stupid Yankee who has no idea what's going on in Texas would have... An understanding of what's actually going on where you've got border patrol by the way who are significantly hispanic okay border patrol is about 70 percent hispanic i would invite any of these crazy leftists okay to come sit down and for a day and go sit down with border patrol along the border and allow me to get just a little fired up here for a second mm-hmm. when i'm watching texans okay texans get hurt and i watch migrants get hurt and i watch these leftists sitting in their studios in new york city and they pat themselves on the back for their compassion, and they sit there trying to preach to us about what they would do to secure the border, but they don't care about the little girl getting raped. They don't care about the little girl getting sold into the sex trafficking trade. Where are they when this is what is happening, when cartels have them under their thumb and are making them pay ransom because they're in a stash house in a basement in Houston, Texas, or in Del Rio, Texas, because these people have no idea because they sit in their studios and they pontificate and they try to play the race card And they try to use that to divide us and to try to make everything about that instead of what's actually happening at the border, endangering human beings. I can't for the life of me understand why we're allowing this to happen. And I want to know, with with all due respect to the leaders in our country, where are the men? Where are actual, honest to God, men who will stand up and say we need to secure our country and protect the vulnerable? And by the way, how about not draft our daughters? Maybe a subject for another day or for later. But where are the men in this country to stand up and to make sure that we protect our country, protect our communities, and stand up to protect migrants and people getting abused and not allow all these wailing and gnashing of teeth of these leftists sitting comfortably in their studios, drinking their lattes, and going around having people serve them while they wear masks and feel good about themselves?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. We do want to talk about on another day the drafting of the daughters because I do think that that indicates... Um, where we are as a country, culturally, even morally, I, I would say, and it does kind of speak to the subject that we're talking about, though, because we are a country, we're no longer a serious country. We're not a country that is concerned with security and safety and actually wise policy. We're a country who is... Um, it, it seems like bent on its own destruction, bent on its own weakness, not just when it comes to border policy, but when it comes to foreign policy as well. And you said a word earlier. In your first answer to the question that I asked that was very disturbing, Uh, you said purposeful. You said you believe that the Biden administration is purposeful in its refusal to do its job and protect our border. But you just described a whole lot of destruction, not just for the citizens of this country, but also for the migrants that, of course, the Biden administration and the Democratic Party says that they care about a lot. Why do you believe that this is purposeful?
1: Well, there's no other way to characterize when you have a policy that was working and holding a flow to roughly 20,000 a month, right? Somewhere around 240,000 in the year last year, uh, compared to today, where we've now had over 1.4 million and we don't have September numbers yet. There's no other way to characterize the choice. okay? the choice by the president and secretary Mayorkas and I assume uh, supposed borders are Kamala Harris to choose not to enforce Title 42 and to choose not to uh, use the migrant protection protocols to ensure that we can return to Mexico to stem the tide. Instead, they changed those policies. They stopped fully using Title 42. They're essentially going to acquiesce to judges on that front and leave our border wide open. There's no other way to interpret it other than purposeful. I believe that it's very much driven by politics, very much driven by their desire to say that it is only Democrats who can say that they're compassionate to brown people. That's, that's what this is about, okay? This is about Democrats saying, we are the ones who care for brown people, okay? Yeah. But go down to Laredo yeah. and go sit around the table like I have with you know, people with Mexican heritage, with Hispanics in Laredo, who are frankly traditional Democrat voters who are moving hard to the Republican side because they're saying our communities are under assault. When I stood down there with a county judge in Webb County in Laredo with Senator Cruz two weeks ago, and I said, where is Joe Biden? And then he stood up and he said, yes, the congressman is right. Where is Joe Biden? Where is this administration? Why our families are struggling and why our communities are under assault? What in Zapata County, which went for a Republican president for the first time since 1920, the mayor of McAllen is now a Republican. We are seeing a trend in the Rio Grande Valley So I think Democrats are doing this at their peril, but I still believe they think that they can win this narrative by doing what they did yesterday, showing horse reins on a horse as whipping because they want to try to divide us by race.
0: Yep, they're so separated from the issue. I have a lot of people who listen to me who are either they're married to border patrol agents which like you said the majority of them are hispanic and so a lot of these are hispanic followers i have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who live at the border and then i've got a lot of people who listen to this podcast whose family is from mexico and still has family that lives in mexico and they can tell you especially if that family lives along the border how horrific it is how the family there in mexico they're not saying this because of politics but they know that it is an absolute clown show um To use a a nice word to describe it, uh, down there, it is dangerous. It is reckless. And again, these people who are living at the border, both in Mexico and uh, in Texas, aren't your, you know, they're not your right wing anti immigrant evangelicals that the left likes to think that they are. They're people that are actually seeing their livelihoods and their lives uh, put at risk because of an administration that refuses to do its job. Um, and you so, meant, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Then I want well, to answer your I just want to add to something.
1: One, Yeah, I want to add one thing that I, 100% everything you just said is exactly right. And one other thing you just triggered in my head that a lot of people don't know about is the extent to which we are now allowing Mexico to get worse, to, tar- to fall into a narco terror state, and the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Central America, to become worse because of brain drain, because of labor drain. The First Lady. Of I think it was Honduras, I can't remember which country, who came to the United States last year was saying, you're hurting our country with mm-hmm. open borders and we need to stop it. And here's why that matters for your listeners. China is exploiting that. China is exploiting Mexico to send fentanyl to kill your kids. China is using uh, the breakdown in the Western Hemisphere in the lack of leadership by our country to exploit that for their own gain. So rather than our country working with the rest of the countries in the Western Hemisphere, to build an alliance of strong economic activity with a strong rule of law to combat China. We're giving China an avenue into harming us. That's what's going on right now. Not to change the subject because it's all related. Yeah, That China is working with these guys.
0: Definitely. I think it's important for people to see that. that that's kind of how it, it, it fits into the bigger... T- picture, at least one part of the bigger picture. This does weaken America, it weakens other parts of the world, and it makes the world worse. A weak America is bad for the world. A strong China is bad for the world, as we are seeing now, going back to what you were talking about about um, you know liberals in their in their studios and tweeting and kind of being separated from this subject we've got um, some of your fellow members of Congress that are of course tweeting about this, one of them being AOC now people might remember that. Um, uh, a couple years ago, AOC and uh, some of her friends had a a photo op, a a photo shoot down at the border dressed in all white, holding on to some chain-linked fence and pretending to cry about what was going on at the border. I don't even know really what in the world she was trying to do. For the past few months, she said basically nothing about what's going on at the border. This humanitarian crisis that we're seeing has been raging since Joe Biden took office. This hasn't just happened in the last couple of days and the first time, at least since June, if not before that, that she's talked about anything happening at the border, the so-called kids in cages, the separation of families, which has still been happening, by the way. She tweets this yesterday. It doesn't matter if a Democrat or Republican is president. Our immigration system is designed for cruelty and dehumanization of immigrants. Immigration should not be a crime. So I would say she's saying open borders. And it's criminalization is a relatively recent invention what this is a stain on our country and this is her retweeting that um misleading picture of what she i guess assumes um is a border patrol agent whipping a person which he's not at all what's your reaction to that
1: well, I can only hope that uh, my colleague from New York maybe uh, sold off her dress to pay for her abuelita's house.
0: Yes, uh, oh, let's hope so, poor in. abuelita. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, AOC, uh, she's a colleague, I, I work with her, um, but let's just be honest, right? She was flat out lying for, with hyperbole in order to stir people up two years ago when she said kids in cages, okay? These were structures set up by the previous administration, the Obama Biden administration, mm-hmm. in order to create a facility when you had large numbers of people coming. Now, by the way, then Secretary Jay Johnson was lamenting a thousand people a month at the time when they set these facilities up with the chain link barriers in order to have airflow and to make sure that you could watch people and separate kids from adults. So and not just family adults. You don't know if it's their family. Okay. You want to keep them safe. You got a baby on your doorstep. What do you do? So fine, now we have 7,000 people coming every single day, right? I mean, that's, it's absolutely extraordinary. And so AOC was lying then. Now she ignores the fact that there are people piling up into these facilities. Won't say anything about that. She went down to the border. You remember and tried about kids drinking out of toilets, which was a lie. Mm-hmm. I sent my chief of staff down there the very next day, we went to the facility. They were the same kind of structures that we have in all of our holding facilities where the toilet is connected to a water fountain. You're not drinking out of a toilet. She knows that. She was lying. When she took that photo op wearing her white outfit, of course, it didn't have any red lettering on it then, mm-hmm. the, her white outfit when she was down there, she, there was nobody across the fence. Everybody right. there knows it was a total fake photo op. It was all marketing. So now she's nowhere to be seen. Uh, in terms of actually trying to solve the problem, but then she'll make these grand statements about, well, any kind of an immigration is great. It's nonsense. A sovereign nation requires having a secure border for the good of its citizens and the citizens who, or, or the individuals who seek to come here. Yeah. We allow over a million people a year to come in legally, but you cannot have a wide open border, particularly in a post 9-11 world, and particularly when you have a social welfare state, and particularly when you have, a pandemic. You just yep. can't do it. It's irresponsible. She would know that if she weren't pandering, trying to build up her youth socialist utopia while she'll destroy jobs, drive people into energy poverty, spend money we don't have, and leave our borders completely defenseless.
0: Yep. Yep. And of course, no surprise, Ilhan Omar, Joy Reid all said the same thing. I have one more question to ask you. I want to play uh, a quick clip of what's happening, what's uh, in what's called or uh, under which the the international bridge i think it's called um on the border where there's like ten thousand haitian migrants i want to show people what that looks like yeah. okay so what's what's going on why are there i think it's a little over twelve thousand haitian migrants how did they get here who helped them get here why are they why are they here what's going on
1: well, best I can tell, and I've got a pretty good number of sources that I speak to on a regular basis. Um, uh, you know, Jason Jones is a great guy. If you don't follow him, you all should. Uh, Todd, uh, Todd Benzman is a great follow. Uh, Todd went down and did some undercover research on all of this. And at the end of the day, what we understand is that uh, the uh, Haitians had moved uh, to and through Central America and or Southern Mexico. They had been aggregating in Southern Mexico for some period of time. Uh, They were held there, and the Mexican government was prohibiting them from flowing up. And then magically on September 12th, all of a sudden those floodgates opened. Mexico decided we're going to let them go. And that's what then caused this migration from southern Mexico up to Del Rio. So that's how a large number of Haitians ended up. They've been aggregating over time in southern Mexico, and then they came up to Del Rio. Now we have 12,000 crossed the river, and once they've crossed the river, now they're trying to claim asylum status, and they've got to go through all the procedures uh, of asylum status. If we don't apply Title 42 and return to Mexico, as the Trump administration was doing, say, no, you can't do that. You can apply for asylum, but you're not going to come here, get released, and we hope you return for your hearing. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what we should be doing. But now we've got 10 or 12,000 there. The Biden administration, to some tiny degree of credit, is taking some of these migrants and putting them on an airplane and flying them back to Haiti. Now, that's causing some of the Haitians to go back to Mexico because they're like, wait, I don't want to go back to Haiti. So that's causing at least some pressure. But let's be honest, DPS, the Texas Department of Public Safety, has more people in Del Rio right now than Border Patrol. Because we appropriated Texans $3 billion, and we have the DPS, Department of Public Safety, going down and doing the job of the federal government, to try to secure our communities. And frankly, I think they should be applauded for it. Governor Abbott, the head of DPS, Steve Mm -hmm. McGraw, the whole team, I I know them all well. We're gonna probably have to go more, do further. We're probably gonna need Texans to step up even more because it's our communities that are on the front lines. That's what's happening. And we've got to do something about it and give the border patrol the help they need. They are retiring, they are leaving, their morale is low. They're not supported by this administration.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Congressman. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to us. I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this conversation. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for what you do and look forward to coming on again. God bless. Thanks.
0: Okay, another break to tell you guys about our friends, Good Ranchers. Now, I happen to know that a lot of you have already ordered Good Ranchers. Maybe you ordered a one-time box of Good Ranchers. You got your craft beef. You got your Better Than Organic chicken, all from American Farms and American Farmers ethically raised, sustainably sourced, all that good stuff, but maybe you haven't subscribed yet. And when you subscribe, when you get that regular box of meat from Good Ranchers every month, you actually save 20% on each box. It brings it down to something like $5 a meal. So it's super affordable. It would be great just to not have to worry about that. Just place your order, put it on auto ship. It's gonna come to your house every month. And that's one less thing that you have to think about. That's one less thing that you have to pick up at the grocery store and waste your time waste your time even considering. They pick the best cuts of meat for you. We get T-bone steaks. We get filets. We get ground beef. We get the marinated chicken, the non-marinated chicken. Last night we had, let's see, what did we have? We had the pre-marinated chili lime chicken. And we had green beans. And we had some rice and quinoa. And I just love that I can just pull it right out of my freezer. I can thaw it for a little bit put it on the grill or the stove, a stovetop or the oven, whatever floats your boat. And it really is so easy and it's super tasty. And I love knowing that I'm supporting American farmers. So the time is now for you to finally purchase your box or boxes of Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash alley. When you do, you get $20 off and free express shipping or you can use code Allie at checkout. So go to goodranchers.com slash or use code Allie at checkout for that discount. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, so we kind of got the facts of everything that's going on. There's a lot more that we could talk about. There are so many numbers that we could go through, unaccompanied miners. Um, the the numbers for fentanyl and trafficking and all of that stuff, but I think that the congressman gave you a really good picture and a lot of uh, a lot of good material uh, to kind of sift through and trying to understand really what's going on. And the facts really do matter. Unfortunately, what I anticipate is that there will be people, many of whom will be professing Christians, who have not said anything about Biden pushing for say, taxpayer-funded abortion, or his commitment to dismantling the Texas abortion law, his insistence upon boys and men being able to access female spaces in the name of, like, gender equity or something, his deadly negligence and callousness in Afghanistan, his ineffective and at times cruel COVID policy, and who haven't said anything about this crisis at the border that's been raging over the past few months that has led to all kinds of atrocities, uh, now, I anticipate because there's a new narrative to latch onto, they're going to speak up. And so they're going to see this picture decontextualized, an angle that looks like something is happening that, when you look at the other angle, is not actually happening. Uh, we'll see them posting about Border Patrol under the direction of a Republican governor uh, whipping black refugees when that is not true but it won't matter. They'll post, you know, Exodus twenty two twenty one, 21, which says that you shouldn't oppress the foreigner. They'll say explicitly or implicitly how terrible and unjust America is and how racist America and the Republican Party are. So we've already gone over uh, the fact about what's really going on at the border, but let's talk big theological biblical picture here. A country has the right to protect its borders. To be a country, you must have borders. Borders give a country sovereignty, the ability to have and enforce its own laws, to protect the rights and safety of its people. Every single country on earth has that right. Not just the United States, every country. It is very difficult to, and I don't think most people know this, but it is very difficult to legally immigrate and become a citizen of most countries. I was talking to a friend who immigrated from Zimbabwe, and she was telling me, you know, no one wants to move to Zimbabwe, but it's actually very difficult to immigrate there, to become a citizen there. That is true of most countries. Even the countries that you'd think would want new people, like poor countries, America, is one of the easiest countries to illegally immigrate to and then stay illegally and receive all kinds of benefits paid for by the taxpayer. That does not happen in most countries. And you wanna know who typically is angriest about that. Like if you talk to um, a legal immigrant, and I'm not speaking for all legal immigrants, of course, but a lot of the legal immigrants that I know, those of you who follow me, have told me in much harsher terms that I've heard from uh, non-immigrants in this country, say how angry it makes you when someone curtails the legal process uh, to try to just cross the border and come here illegally. Every country, every country has a right to enforce its borders, to maintain order at the border, to deport illegal immigrants, and to disincentivize illegal immigration. Whether it's Nigeria or Japan, Hungary, the United States, it doesn't matter. Every single country can do this and, in my opinion, should do this because doing so protects a nation's sovereignty, protects the rights, the safety, the prosperity, the culture of its own people, the people a government has the responsibility to protect. And before anyone gets upset uh, by this word culture, there is not anything racial in that. I think that we've been made to believe, you know, by people who for some reason see the world as racially black and white, that that word culture is somehow racialized or or racist. But it's not. And that's not what I mean at all. What I mean is that American culture is different than British culture. It's different than Australian culture. It's different than Bosnian culture. It's different than Mexican culture. It is good to love your country and your country's characteristics, your country's values, your foundational principles, your, your, your culture, and, and the people that you share those things with. This is not racial, especially in the United States. I have more in common with, uh, for example, a Hispanic American than I do, for example, a white Bulgarian. And I. Care about America and I care more about the well being of America more than I do the well being of, say, Bulgaria. That doesn't mean that I don't love the people of Bulgaria or that I don't think that they're, you know, great people made in the image of God. It doesn't mean that you don't love people from other countries or that you don't appreciate their cultures. But what I am saying is that it is okay to love and appreciate your home more than you love and appreciate other people's homes. It's okay to want to protect the borders of your home and maintain its sovereignty and security. In fact, I would argue that is a way to seek the welfare of the nation in which God has purposely and providentially placed you and to love the neighbors next to whom God has placed you. C.S. Lewis, uh, talks about the love of country, the love of place, and the culture of your country in his book, The Four Loves. He writes this, quote, I think love for one's country means chiefly love for people who have a good deal in common with oneself, language, clothes, institutions, and in that is very like love of one's family or school. And it is good, because any natural help towards our spiritual duty of loving is good, and God seems to build our higher loves around our merely natural." cultural impulses, sex, maternity, kinship, old acquaintance, etc. With this love for place, he says, there goes a love for the way of life, for beer and tea and open fires, trains with compartments in them and an unarmed police force and all the rest of it. Of course, he's not talking about America here, and for the local dialect and for our native language. And he then references references G.K. Chesterton and says something that I know and totally understand is hard on our modern day western ears but would be totally accepted in most parts of the world today and was acknowledged in the west back then as CS Lewis says as Chesterton says a man's reasons for not wanting his country to be ruled by foreigners are very like his reasons for not wanting his house to be burned down because he could not even begin to enumerate all the things he would miss now i'll be honest with you that quote It's hard for me to read. It's hard for me to say because it sounds harsh. And I really don't want it to seem like this is anti-immigrant in any way because it's not. In the slightest, some of the best, hardest-working Americans, the most patriotic Americans, are, are immigrants. And it's also not to say Americans are inherently better than people from other countries because I obviously don't believe that. I simply think it is the responsibility of a government to protect its borders, to protect and prioritize the citizens of their country and to maintain that kind of national and cultural coherence. And I believe, again, that every single country in the world has that right and that responsibility. I believe the world is better when governments represent the best interests of their people and when people patriotically love their country and their culture, not in a way that is idolatrous, um, but in a way that is sane, in a way that is wise, in a way that is grateful to God for, again, purposely and providentially placing us in every nation and every place that He has. So it is okay for a Zimbabwean to love their country, to love their culture, to love their people, and to not want, for example, Nigerians to come in and change those things. It is okay for me as an American to not want Swedes to come in and try to make America Sweden. I don't want to live in Sweden. I like America how it is. Um, Well, I mean, there are plenty of things I could change, but I like the values on which America was founded. I like a lot of American culture. I don't want it to become Sweden, and that's okay. I believe God actually created us that way. Every country— expects and is okay to expect the people who immigrate there to do so legally, to work hard, and to a certain degree, to varying degrees, assimilate. That doesn't mean not retaining any of their country's culture. America is extremely tolerant of that. And that's what part of makes us so awesomely unique. But it does mean embracing certain values like hard work, like liberty, like the rule of law here in the United States. America accepts more immigrants every year, by far about a million legal immigrants every year. So Anyone who says this is some white supremacist, nationalistic hellscape with too strict border and immigration laws is just wrong. They're, they're uninformed or misinformed about this. We are, at least right now and in some prior administrations, I think way too lax when it comes to illegal immigration. Um, incentivizing illegal immigration, as we talked about with Congressman Roy, causes the tragedies uh, that we are seeing right now and that we have seen for a long time. Sex and drug trafficking of children, empowerment of the vicious, murderous drug cartels, huge upticks in crime in Texas and Mexican cities at the border, rampant sexual assault of women and children traveling from South America into the United States. It causes chaos, and that chaos is not good for anyone involved. It's not good for the countries that are being left. You heard Congressman Roy uh, say the phrase brain drain. So the people who leave those countries in South America, in Mexico, and places like Haiti are the people who either have some means to leave or or the people who have at least the mental and physical capacity to leave. So that means that the people who are left behind in these countries are the most vulnerable. That's true when it comes to not just illegal immigration, but mass migration in general. Mass migration in general is not good for most people who are involved. It's not good for the people who are making the journey, which is hardest on women and children, children who are often smuggled, trafficked, or abandoned. It may pay off when some of these illegal immigrants you come in and the Biden administration is driving them into the interior of the United States to live here without following the law. But it comes with a lot of risks. It is not good for the United States uh, who will be paying for the social services for illegal immigrants who may be economically displaced and who, especially at the border, suffer the consequence, uh, the consequences of these crime surges. So without borders, you have no sovereignty or legitimacy as a nation. Without legitimacy, you have no rule of law. Without enforceable laws, you have no rights. Without rights, you have chaos and oppression and anarchy and injustice and corruption. I don't want that for my neighbors. I don't want that for migrants or for American citizens. Uh, we see the idea of nations as natural and good in scripture. Nowhere do we see God restrict nations or his nation of Israel from protecting their people or their borders. In fact, we see God demand the establishment of uh, the nation of Israel accomplished through battle and conquest. Now, God certainly can't be said to be against advancing the interests of one's own nation. We just don't see biblical support for that argument. God demands in Exodus in Deuteronomy that Israel show kindness to the sojourner, as we so often hear from those who use these verses to say that America should have open borders and accept anyone who wants to come in. But there are a couple of things I want to say to respond to that argument, because I'm sure you've heard it too. Um, But before I get into my response to that argument, I've got to tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and that is a fairly new sponsor, and that is Dwell. So Dwell is a Bible app. It is inspired by the psalmist's command that we must hide the Word of God in our hearts. Dwell has built a beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures. With over a dozen new recordings of the Bible, they've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you. There are a variety of uh, versions, so whatever version you like. I like the ESV. They've got ESV, NIV, KJV, many others. Uh, They also have a new feature, a read-along experience, which lets you read big, bold text accompanied by beautiful background art while you're listening to it uh, being read at the same time. As we talked about last time, not every so-called quiet time that you have with the Bible has to be sitting down with all of your different commentaries open and your journal open for an hour and a half at 5 a.m. That's wonderful if you're able to do that every day. I think all of us would love to be able to do that every day. But, you know, some days you're just busy. Some days like you are going from one thing to another and you feel like you don't have time to read scripture. Well, this allows you to do that while you're doing all of the other things that God. God has called you to do. And just like it's important for us to take care of our bodies by uh, by eating sustenance, it's also important for us to allow God to care for our souls by uh, sustaining sustaining our hearts and souls with His Word. And so just like sometimes you eat on the go and it's still important to eat, you can also listen to God's Word on the go and it's still important to be sustained that way. Um I love Dwell. I think it's a great app. Uh and that's why I'm super excited that you guys with my link that you get a discount. So if you go to dwellapp.io/relatable, you get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. Um the reason that it costs money is because it is a high quality service that they're offering to you and so you don't have to worry about ads, you don't have to worry about them selling information. You can uh you can trust that about this app and that is why uh, they They charge for their very awesome service. So 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. That's dwellapp.io slash relatable. Dwellapp.io slash relatable. Okay, so let me respond to this argument. Um, One, America is not ancient Israel. And this verse that they typically quote is not meant to, to be the basis of immigration law. And the funny thing is a lot of people that use this to say, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have open borders based on this particular verse. Well, they're the same people that call people like me Christian nationalists for just quoting the Bible, Psalm 139, when it comes to abortion or when it comes to different issues. Even though I am not saying that the Bible lays the foundation of every single policy in the United States, they think any Christian conservative is a Christian nationalist for quoting the Bible when it comes to particular policy. But They love to decontextualize verses and say, you know, uh, this is the basis for this government program or this is the basis for open borders. Um, the reality is, is that sojourners in the Bible were more akin to legal immigrants than foreigners than, than foreigners were. God calls Israel to be kind to sojourners and for sojourners to assimilate. Now, one example of this is Leviticus 17, 15. And every person who eats what dies of itself or what is torn by beasts, whether he is a native or a sojourner, shall wash his clothes and uh, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening, then he shall be clean. So this is one example, if you're going to look to the Bible um, for inspiration for policy, which I'm okay with, even though I am not for living in a theocracy because we see no biblical precedent for that. But if we want to look to the God who made justice for us to be able to determine what justice looks like here, I'm okay with that. Um, But if you're going to say that a verse saying, be kind to sojourners should establish our uh, border policy and our immigration policy, okay, well, then we're going to have to look at everything that God says about the sojourner. And one thing that God says repeatedly when he is giving laws to Israel is that the sojourner, the foreigner, well, really the sojourner more than the foreigner, has to assimilate. Um, we see distinctions in the Old Testament between uh, Israelites and and foreigners in Leviticus 22:25, 25, Deuteronomy 14, 21, Deuteronomy 23, 20, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 15. Uh, these are all examples of God drawing distinctions between foreigners and Israelites. So God distinguishes between the nation of Israel and sojourners and foreigners, and he has a distinct process and guidelines for how these people are to be treated. What we see throughout scripture um, is that God is not a God of chaos. He's not a God of lawlessness. He's not a God of confusion, but he is a God of order. He is a God of parameters. He is a God of protective limitations and processes, not because he needs the boundaries, but because we do, because I believe he created us that way. And again, this is not saying that America is ancient Israel, because I don't believe that. I'm just saying, again, if we're going to look at a particular verse, let's look at the context. And if we're going to say, okay, this should be the inspiration for American policy when it comes to immigration. Well, again, we need to look at everything that God actually says about the foreigner and the sojourner in the Old Testament. Now, God says that we are not to, supposed to oppress the sojourner. Um, and there he's talking about a legal immigrant or something more like a legal immigrant in the Old Testament. He is not talking about oppression being uh, protecting the border or enforcing the law. God created nations. They were his idea. and They're a very good idea. They are meant for order. They are meant for protection. So here's what Deuteronomy 26, 19 says about Israel. Quote, and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that he has made and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord, your God, as he promised. So all the nations that he has made, God made nations. Let me read you Acts 17, uh, 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So the idea of earthly boundaries, allotted dwelling places uh, for people is God's idea. This borderless world in which there are no distinct cultures or countries lends itself to, again, I keep saying this word because I truly believe God hates it and I believe it's bad for humanity. It lends itself to chaos. It lends itself to strife and injustice because it goes against how God created human beings and the world to function, at least on this side of eternity. And on the other side of, the, uh, of eternity, let me read you a part of Revelation 7, 9 through 10. So this is God through John speaking. Um, After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. I mean, that is a beautiful picture. Of worship of Christ, uh, where the church, which is made up of all different kinds of people, will be will be united in our adoration of Him. But even here, like we see that God through John distinguishes people by their nation, tribe, and people group. There is an acknowledgement of earthly distinctions, at least in His rendering, in John's rendering of what he saw. Even if those distinctions don't actually divide us in heaven, and again, I I I would say that. America, and that the role of the government is not to make America be like heaven. Like that's not what it. That, that's not the role of the government. That's not what it's going to look like. That doesn't mean that we can't be united as a diverse people. But what unites us in heaven will be the glory of God and our love for the glory of God. That is not meant to inform um, immigration policy here. And just a couple more things that I want to say about this before I close out. Uh, If we look at uh, Romans chapter 13, for example, verse 1 talks about every person being subjected to governing authorities, and there is no authority except from God. They're supposed to be servants. Of God. Now we know that we have to obey earthly authorities insofar as we are not caused to sin. In the United States, we believe in a philosophy called the law is king. So the constitution actually is supposed to bind the authority of the um, of the people who are quote in charge. And so when they go against the constitution, it is they who are disobeying the authority that is supreme in the United States, not us, but. We we absolutely have laws against illegal entry. And so it is not right. It is not righteous to break that law. And it would also not be righteous for the United States to incentivize or enable The breaking of that law. It certainly wouldn't be biblical and it wouldn't be right for all of the other reasons that we listed and all of the consequences of enabling illegal immigration. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be intentionally cruel. We, of course, should have compassion for people as much as we can, but that shouldn't be mutually exclusive with protecting our border. We also have to have compassion for the people who live here. Um, I, I was against uh, building a wall um, at some point. Now I actually think it can be a very effective strategy. We also see throughout Scripture, and I don't have time to read you. All of the uh, all of the references today, but we see throughout Scripture that walls are always a depiction of security. They're a depiction of wisdom. They're actually seen as a blessing in the Bible. That when a country is safe and secure, when it has orderly processes, it's better again for everyone, not just the people in the country, but also the people trying to come here. So our, our compassion that we have has to be paired with critical thinking. It has to be paired with knowledge. Um, these uh, you know knee-jerk reactions to decontextualized m- misrepresenting pictures um, is not glor- God glorifying because it's not truthful. All right, that's all I have time for today. I will see
1: you back here tomorrow.